Hey everyone, I'm back with another episode of Real Sports Talk by Naraj. Hope you're all doing good. I just want to talk about college football. Uh, I believe week 8 of college football. As we know, a lot of conferences, the major conferences, the ACC, SEC, Big 12, you know, they started up along with other conferences as well. But the Big Ten and the Pac-12 were ones that were undecided uh, due to everything with the pandemic, and they voted to have a have a you know have a schedule now and have games. And so this past Saturday was all about the return of Big Ten football, along with the usual teams that we know are excellent in Alabama and Clemson, and a couple of teams trying to turn their fortunes around after not being so good um, and there are some key things that I saw in some games this week that I want to talk about things I didn't like about college football this week and a bunch more to get into about all that so I'll start with talking about Ohio State Ohio State is one of the favorites for the college football playoffs this year and that's mostly due to the led by their young and polarizing quarterback in Justin Fields. Um, he's really come on late last year, really having an impact, playing well. He's got so much poise and potential about him that he is going to be the one for Ohio State if they have any shot of winning the national championship this year or the college football championship this year. You know, he played so well against the Clemson Tigers last year in the college football playoff semifinal unfortunately you know came up short with a play or two so Justin Fields really picked up where he left off in terms of you know they put away Nebraska pretty easily uh, in a dominant fashion Justin Fields had a couple of touchdowns Uh, he ran for a one as well and this Ohio State team is pretty much built so well to compete with a lot of schools in the Big Ten and obviously they have the look of a team that could make it back to the college football playoffs this year. It really comes down to how, how does Justin Field play um, in those key moments, those key games they had last year compared to this year. So there will be obviously a battle. I'm sure a lot of Big Ten teams are going to be better. One of those teams I thought would be better was Penn State. And Penn State really disappointed me in, week, in their opening game at Indiana University. I really felt like Penn State was a, was a team that was progressing so well on college football. For, for those of who don't know, Penn State in college football for the past two or three years has been winning a certain amount of games. Their quarterback has played well. They've made some impact in terms of being a little bit relevant. They've progressed every year under James Franklin, their head coach. And they're returning some starters. They've won a couple of big games. They've given Ohio State trouble. They've given Michigan trouble. And I really felt like they had it all going, you know, eighth ranked team in the country. And they lost an overtime game to Indiana 30. 6-35. And I really thought the, the story of the game was turnovers. Turnovers was the story of the game for Penn State. They were kind of sloppy in this game. 
and their quarterback wasn't as good this first game on the road as I thought he would be. So Penn State missed a huge opportunity to make a make a statement. Now it's not all gone for Penn State. If they can beat Ohio State, then that would say something. But you know they they obviously played uh, you know and a tough finish for them as Indiana got a touchdown late in the game. Late in overtime, the ball just crossed the line, which was a touchdown, and you know Penn State is left thinking to themselves, this was a victory the chef got, and they didn't get that. So they've got a lot of work to do because, like I said, it's only going to be a short season, I think seven or eight games, and the first college football rankings are going to come out on November 24th. So that puts the Big Ten in a tough spot in terms of Ohio State really having to prove themselves well. But also the Pac-12, who hasn't started up games yet, and they will be starting up games pretty soon. But they need to get it going because uh, Alabama and Clemson don't seem to be going anywhere. And the two teams that will come out of the other conferences are yet to be determined. So... The Big Ten obviously needs to do a good job of at least having a couple of teams that who can contend for a playoff spot or at least be in the mix of one. That would be key going forward for the Big Ten. There were some other notable games in, in, in the Big Ten that were, were good as well, like Michigan. Michigan opened up with a victory over Minnesota. Jim Harbaugh, obviously being there now at Michigan for about five years and you know he hasn't had the success that he hoped to have with the Michigan Wolverines they've disappointed throughout the throughout his years I mean they've won some games but not against the teams they're supposed to be winning against most notably Ohio State so the true test for Michigan is to beat Ohio State Penn State, Michigan State, you know, consistently. And Harbaugh hopefully has found a quarterback in uh, Joe Milton, I believe is his name, sophomore quarterback. Because the thing that has really affected Jim Harbaugh throughout his time at Michigan is just not having a quarterback who can deliver in key situations. And of course, as a coach, you know, he's also struggled to make good decisions. But they got on track. Well, they got on, you know, they got off to a good start. I mean, in week one here, the Big Ten football, and so you hope that Michigan can keep it going because when Michigan is playing well, then you know a lot of things tend to be uh, interesting. And I've always heard that expression about you know certain teams just give you a certain vibe about college football and Michigan hasn't been good for a while and if they can make things interesting in the Big Ten it'll be great you, you want to see all these teams you know really uh, play well play well against each other and, and give us some good meaningful meaningful action because you know we're not gonna see the full sample size of games from all these teams and we want to see like the best matchup the best action right away and if Michigan can play well they can definitely challenge Ohio State, possibly or Penn State, um, in the Big Ten. The true test, although for Harbaugh, is 
beating Ohio State because that's the one team he has not won against as much. Urban Meyer, Ryan Day, the head coach is there. They've had their run with him, and he's got to win those key games. So, you know, Minnesota's a team that's okay, but not an impressive victory um, because Michigan was expected to win, and they should have won that game. And now it's on to another opponent, hopefully that they can win and be impressive in because it's all about the look test, the eye test for the college football playoff committee. So we see Alabama pretty much romp Tennessee on the road. We saw Clemson beat Syracuse, but it wasn't as convincing as a win because Clemson needed to score late a little bit to put the game away. But Clemson has been consistently good under pressure, and so is Alabama. But both teams haven't really had a good game yet against a quality opponent. And there's two teams that can change that possibly that I have my eyes on heading into next week college football games. One team is LSU. LSU, obviously, they had a lot of guys leave for the draft last year. Burrow, Patrick Queen. Um, the list goes on and on. LSU is obviously off to a tough start this year. They were 1-2, uh, looking a little bit out of sorts, not having solid quarterback play. Um, a guy got hurt, one person came in. Their defense took a big hit, obviously. So, with you know, losing a safety and losing Patrick Queen, their linebacker. But they finally seem to turn the corner a little bit against South Carolina, albeit. Um, because most people were picking upset of South Carolina by LSU. Tigers are showing some character. You know, they did win that national championship last year, not only by by Burrow, but great coaching from, from Ed Horgeron, um, the head coach of the team. And they do have guys on that team do, who did play last year. So I think the key thing for LSU is that they need to consistently play well. They could challenge Alabama. I think more so than Georgia, they could challenge Alabama. Because historically, LSU's had success against Alabama. The games have been close between both teams in the past. We saw what, what happened last year um, when the LSU Tigers beat Alabama and Tua in a back-and-forth kind of game. So it can potentially happen. If LSU can kind of stay on the right track and win some games, then they could possibly challenge Alabama. As for the Clemson Tigers, I would say this. The Notre Dame Irish are a team to watch out in the ACC. The Irish looked good against Pittsburgh on the road in week one. They're the number three. Um, the number three or number four team right now. If I'm yeah, I think they're the number third team in the country right now, ranked right now. They have a chance to make things interesting against Clemson. Or at least give them some kind of run. Because I think Notre Dame's offense can have success against Clemson's defense. Based on what I've seen so far. But experience-wise, Trevor Lawrence is just so much better. Dabble Sweeney is so much better on a lot of levels. So the key for Notre Dame, when they do play the Clemson Tigers in a couple of weeks, is trying to keep the ball away from Trevor Lawrence and that offense. And based on what I saw in their first match against Pittsburgh, 
the running game seemed to be working well. Can they keep it going is a question because that's the problem is that you see certain teams run the ball certain times well and other times they don't run the ball so well. And if Clemson gets into a shootout with Notre Dame, that's not the style that Notre Dame can win in. I can't see Notre Dame winning a shootout against Clemson. But if they play a low-scoring game, then there's a potential for an upset there. So something, something, to keep, you know, something to keep an eye on. Two teams in particular to keep an eye on going forward. Obviously, LSU. You got to think about a team like Notre Dame. I'll throw two more teams in there that I think have a good chance to make some noise and, and get back on track. I still believe in Penn State. <laughs> I still think they can turn it around. Just one game, but they gotta win some of the games coming up. You know, they definitely gotta do that. And I think that another team to really watch out for, um, albeit it's the Pac-12, Stanford. And this is a way out of a line pick, but Stanford is a team that could potentially do something. And what I mean by that is that in terms of the Pac-12, Stanford has a good opportunity to make the most impression. Because Stanford has played really good defense over the over the last year or so. And I think that they have a chance to make things interesting in the Pac-12. If they play a style of defense that's dominant, they could make a serious case for the college football playoff committee. But it's all about the eye test, all about the games and how you look. So, obviously, Stanford would have to make it to the Pac-12 championship game to have consideration for the college football playoff. Same thing for Penn State and the same thing for the LSU Tigers. So, a lot to go into, a lot to unpack in college football. But the first official rankings of the college football playoff is November 24th. So, a lot of teams between now and then really have to step up their game. I do want to see some more competition for Clemson and Alabama in the college football playoff picture. Right now, it seems like Notre Dame is one of those teams. Georgia could potentially be there. LSU could potentially be there. And Ohio State definitely has a chance to be there if they take care of their business um, going forward. Now, another side note, which I really want to talk about, and this might not be a big deal, but the Rutger... Rutgers Scarlet Knights, the football team defeated Michigan State, snapping a 21-game losing streak in the Big Ten. You know what? It was about time they, they got a victory in the Big Ten. And albeit against Michigan State, a, a game that was filled with turnovers, yes, but the Ruck, Rutgers won. And they deserve credit for that because they've been mocked about a lot, they've been talked about in a way they don't have enough, they don't have this, they don't have that. At least for one game, they showed that they could compete. And you got to give credit to Greg Schiano for coming back for Rutgers. The right guy for the job. And they got a victory. Very important. They got to build some kind of good chemistry, some good vibes there. After a lot of losing, a lot of things going on with that program. And they're finally back on track. So hopefully they keep it up. Even though they might not, you know, face Michigan State again. At least they competed well enough to to at least be recognized for at least one Saturday in college football. So that's a big thing for sure. 
And I'll end with this. The Heisman race is always a uh, great thing for a lot of prospects. And so Trevor Lawrence obviously is there in the Heisman conversation. So is Justin Fields. But there's two other quarterbacks. One is Zach Wilson for BYU. Good kid. Has shown some good promise so far in this season. Uh, I believe he has 16 touchdown passes, only one interception. And then there's a quarterback from, from the University of Central Florida, Dylan, I think, Gabriel. And he's got over 2,000 passing yards already and 20 touchdowns. So the Heisman race, the Heisman Award, for people who don't know, the Heisman is like the, the biggest achievement you can get in college football as, a, as an athlete, as a pro. Uh, you recognize for your individual accomplishments and your impact to your team. And so Lawrence and Justin Fields are right there in the conversation. But don't sleep on the other quarterbacks and other running backs potentially uh, for the Heisman Trophy uh, candidates. So some good college football action. We saw some return, which is some good teams. Um, the ranked teams hopefully will keep on uh, winning. Although upsets are part of the chaos in college football, we always want some kind of drama, some kind of excitement, and there's no doubt with the games coming up in the Big Ten, the ACC, and the Big 12, there'll be a lot of chaos, a lot of upsets potentially. So you just hope the top two teams, Alabama and Clemson, stay on, on track because everybody would love to see another matchup between, between those two teams. Um, but Ohio State, Notre Dame, Georgia, LSU, Stanford, they all have a good chance to make an impression on the college football committee for the final two playoff spots coming up uh, later in this season. So now I just want to talk about one more thing um, that happened over the weekend, which was um, really um, unique in its own right. And most people who don't really follow this sport probably won't know about this person, but this past Saturday, the UFC had a bunch of fights, and one of the best MMA fighters in the UFC for a while, and has been for a while, was Khabib. I'm not going to pronounce his last name because I'm probably going to stumble it, but Khabib, um, you know, had a fight against Justin, I think, Gotchde. If I'm saying that correctly or not. Um, so he finishes his career 29-0. And he retired. Um, soon after that fight. Announcing that he is retiring. Um, and. The thing about Khabib is that. He's been one of the most dominant fighters. In MMA history. With a 29-0 record. A lot of knockouts. Submissions by decision. And. For him. To call retire, you know, go for retirement was was a tough thing to do, and the reason why I say that is because, you know, Khabib, throughout his time, competing at a lot of levels of, of MMA and, and and you know mixed martial fighting, he has such a great bond and relationship with his father. His father was part of every single fight that he had in the MMA in the UFC, and. You know, he continued to, you know, talk about things and, and, and show respect towards his heritage and his family and all those things. 
um but what happened back in i think july uh i believe his father had a heart condition and it was only um affected more by the covid-19 pandemic and so unfortunately his father passed away and so kabi really um you know didn't know what he would do after and it's hard to explain those when when it happens to you what someone would feel for kabib who has been one of the most dominant fighters over the past you know years now fight after fight he had his father in his corner and you know he was so dominant and aggressive uh really mixing it up with a lot of guys you know beat conor mcgregor beat poyer and so to see him um come back and fight justin on saturday in the main event You know, it was a it was a tough thing. He battled a lot of emotions, a lot of um things inside. He didn't really express what he was feeling until after this fight. And he had a layoff between this fight for about, I don't know, 3 to 5 months. And so, you know, he dealt with a lot of things and it was found out afterwards of this fight that he also was dealing with a, with a broken foot um for the past 3 weeks. He didn't tell anybody. He went through a lot of things in his mind and his head and you know he wanted to let it all out um afterwards and I salute and I applaud his career in the MMA. He said this is it for him. You know, he doesn't want to fight without his father by his side. And you know, those things are just something that you have to respect about an athlete. You have to appreciate that the athlete. You know, he said so he was very hard working, great career. Obviously, you know, you would love to see more from him, but he's had one of the most accomplished dominant runs in MMA UFC history. And to see him just be that way for a long time and to see whatever happened with his father, it's very tough for an athlete to experience that and to continue on and do their things. But we see it time and time again that a lot of people, a lot of athletes love the sport so much and they're dedicated so much towards so much that they want to continue doing it for their family for their for their ones that who are longer with them and to see Khabib come out on Saturday night play, do such a great job of fighting at the highest level and to be able to end his career on his terms to make that statement that that you know announcement there was a huge thing for him and you know he will be missed in the sport for sure but his impact on terms of fighting guys talking about certain things I mean he was one of the best to do it and I think that you know whatever he does next in in his career I think he will be very successful he'll have a lot of support um and I hope that you know, he continues to heal in a way which allows him to do something and make more out of, out of his out of his career and his life maybe as a pro maybe doing some other other things um but his future was great in the MMA and it's unfortunate that you know this thing had happened and now he's going to you know be calling it uh, retirement now but i think with all that he has done in the sport that he deserved to be able to express himself and do this in a way which he felt comfortable doing it and like i said he, he didn't want to talk about it initially he just wanted to go about his business train put himself in 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 the shoes of just 
competing and training and making sure that he put himself in the best position to win, win this fight, in which he did. And I hope that he, you know, is successful in his future uh, career endeavors.